Hello, and welcome back to another FACT podcast. I'm Dr. Fred Clary, founder of Functional Analysis Chiropractic Technique, a chiropractic technique based on movement and breathing. And in today's podcast, we're going to cover surviving this pandemic. And we don't mean the medical side if you got infection. We mean surviving stay-at-home orders and self-quarantine. I've been watching a little bit of TV lately, and it's amazing. There's a lot of things going over, you know, hospitals and what this disease, this COVID-19 is going to do to you. Um, problems in the pandemic, stay home, but no one tells you how to stay healthy at home. I've been looking for it. There's been a couple things here and there, but there's no one really focused on how we're going to stay at home and remain healthy. I've seen a few of our leaders saying that, you know, maybe the cure can't be worse than the, the condition or the disease, and that's true. Um, We don't want to flare up of suicides, depression, anxieties, divorces, increased domestic violence, and all these things are all going up right now because we're either self-quarantined or staying at home. So how do we survive that? Well, today we have a great interview with Dr. Tom Pastor. He's a chiropractor who specializes in the part of chiropractic, which is more lifestyle Um, In chiropractic, you have to know if someone's anxiety, stress, depression is affecting them physically so you can treat them physically. Um, So there's a section of of chiropractic that really focuses on, um, you know, you can use the word mental health or mental emotional hygiene, you know, but but for example, if someone's not getting good sleep, guess what? They're going to have increased anxiety. They could have depression. And whatever you're doing to try to fix their back, their shoulder, is not going to work. So you have to be a, a little bit of a, a generalist and and, uh, and understand that. Well, Dr. Tom Pastor does office share at my office. And he also helps teach functional analysis chiropractic technique, which focuses on movement and breathing. And I thought I'd bring him in today to get a, a viewpoint on how we can survive the self-quarantine and stay at home and how it's affecting our bodies and minds. It's important to understand these things. Well, we want to welcome Dr. Tom Pastor to the podcast. Um, As I said in the introduction, he's a chiropractor. He's my office chair at my office and uh, from Virginia has some background in functional analysis, chiropractic technique. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Pastor. Hey, thanks. It's good to be here. Oh, excellent. So as we were talking uh, last week, I wanted to cover some things that uh, you have some expertise in and, and explain to the listeners. We were talking about how, you know, with this new COVID-19 with um, the stay-at-home orders, a lot of people are just sitting around in the couch and even like personal trainers, um, elite level athletes are having trouble getting off that couch. And I remember we had a conversation that, you know, it's really not laziness. It could be fear, it could be depression. So uh, why don't you introduce a little bit about yourself and let's, let's start diving into that subject. Right. So uh, like Fred said, I am a chiropractor. We share an office, so I've absorbed a lot of his neurology goodness over the years. And I 
have really tailored that more in the way of mental health and understanding people's behaviors and how those really tie in physical behaviors, mental behaviors, physical health, mental health, how chiropractic can be used to help people um, with their mental health. And out of certain situations like this, where people are more prone to being anxious or depressed, because there's a lot of this, that there's a lot of interaction between how we move and our environment and uh, our mental health. So what we have here in this particular kind of shelter in place situation is a lot of people who have built up habits in their life to keep them motivated, to keep them feeling good, to keep them in some kind of homeostasis. A lot of us have this extroverts tend to rely on other people for it more than introverts. So a lot of, I think, introverted people kind of went into this going, yes, this is my prime. I get to stay home. <laughs> um, but now let, me, let me stop you for a minute, doc. You said a big word and there's just not doctors that listen to this uh, podcast. Can you explain homeostasis? That's a big word. Oh, sorry. I didn't even realize I dropped the big doctor word. So yeah. homeostasis is basically our body's constant search for balance. So homeostasis is supposed to mean balance. So yeah. our body is constantly searching for some way to keep our hormones, our nutrition, our everything in balance. And we never quite reach that point, um, but a lot of our body's efforts are towards that. So when you mean not reach it, is it like a teeter-totter on the playground? We're constantly going back and forth, back and forth? Yeah, if the teeter-totter had about 2,000 sides. Oh, wow. So if you're, if you're really trying, I mean, that, and that's why it's such a complicated thing. I mean, it's what our buddy does on a day-to-day -day basis is a pretty miraculous set of equations that we, we like to think that we can mess with it and optimize it and things like that, but we really are only, have really only taken the tip of the iceberg as far as understanding what goes on in our body every day. So the best we can do is take big swings and hope that our body adapts. Okay. 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 So you're talking about introverts and extroverts, like introverts would love this. Let, let right. me back on that road. We were going before we went off on that, that uh, Webster's dictionary definition. So, yeah. So introverts tend to be people who gain energy by being by themselves, working on something by themselves, whereas extroverts tend to rely on other people to help them get energy. So they get energy from being in a group of people and conversing and, and being at a party. And that doesn't mean that extroverts can't enjoy a long time and that introverts can't enjoy a party. It, it just means that you draw your energy from those things a little bit differently. Um, and that also kind of brings me to the main thing that's kind of, that is really kind of fun throwing people off now are people who rely on external factors for motivation. Mm. Um, and whether we realize it or not, most of us, I mean, our, our sources of motivation are highly external. You act differently in your office than you do in your home. You act differently in different rooms of your home. You act differently when you're at a big football stadium or something like that. And each of those things are situational and inform what we're supposed to be doing at that time. Okay. And most of us have some kind of rhythm where we go to the office and that triggers our brain to say, okay, while I'm at the office, I do this thing. I do this thing. I work this way. I converse with these people. I have this demeanor. And we've also, for those of us that have a regular workout routine, we've usually built our workout routine around our work day as well. 
So when you take away all of those external triggers for this is the time that I get up, this is the time that I go to work, this is the, these are the things that I do there, this is when I have time to go to the gym, so it's when I go to the gym and I exercise, this is when I get home, and when I get home, I relax. I mean, that triggers a certain set of things, that is, I take care of my kids, I make dinner, I take a little bit of time to unwind, and then I go to bed so that I can do this all over again tomorrow. And we've really short-circuited that with so many people staying at home, losing all of those external triggers that tell them what they're supposed to be doing, those things that our body, our subconscious mind kind of relies on. Wow. That, so, this, so our routines are just not something that we develop their habits. Our routines are something like physiologically, biologically, our nervous system, our body needs to know that it's normal. Is that what you're saying? Kind of like a thermostat? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And it also it contributes a lot towards our feelings of well-being. Okay. So, how does that work? Um, you and I have talked about serotonin a lot before, and I think you have a few episodes of this on serotonin. Yeah. Um, but serotonin is the hormone. It's responsible for making us feel content, like we have access to all of the things that we need. It is that very just kind of mellow contentment hormone. That's the feeling we get from it. But we get it from doing things that make us feel socially stable, um, which in most cases is doing things that are familiar, that we're good at, that we know, um, that are within our routines. So a lot of our feeling of content and a lot of our feeling of ease comes from our routines, comes from the things that we do every day and we know we're gonna be there. And when you get thrown off of those kind of routines, what kind of replaces it is cortisol. So cortisol is responsible for helping us take action to preserve ourselves, okay. um, which we need. I mean, cortisol is what gets us out of bed in the morning and gives us motivation to do things. Um, but serotonin and cortisol kind of exist in this dance where cortisol will motivate us to do things to keep ourselves feeling good. And serotonin will reward us for feeling good, for, for making sure that we have all that we need and that it's there for us. And what we've got and we have a situation like this where all of our routines are kind of thrown is our serotonin can take a real dive. And depending on your personality and other things that are going on in your life, that can mean anxiety or that can mean depression or that can mean going up and down. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of things, a lot of ways your body can interpret that signal. Wow. So, so are people aware of it? Um, you know, are they aware that maybe they're getting depressed or anxiety of it, or is it more of an unconscious thing that's happening? The routines are off and they just get this, this feeling of things not being right, things not being well, that weird feeling in your gut. Yeah, I feel like it, it could be any of the above. I mean, it really depends on the person and their background and their experience and their level of awareness of their own sensations. Because some people who are very, very body aware Okay. We'll be able to know when these things are really going off or a lot earlier than someone who is um, just say having a really hard time getting off the couch for the last couple of weeks. And I think that's what spawned this kind of conversation is you and I have seen a lot of people and talked to a lot of people who just, they're not usually TV watchers. They're not usually people who take a lot of time to relax. They, they usually are go, go, go. I mean, these are parents of multiple kids, single parents, um, people with big career goals and aspirations, in your case, power lifters and bodybuilders, very motivated people mm -hmm. um, who suddenly 
have all, like we said, these, these external motivators taken away. I mean, with gyms closed, you literally cannot work out unless you are fortunate enough to have a home gym, mm -hmm. or at least you can't work out doing the strength and endurance things that you would normally be doing. You can do body weight things, you can do maintenance, but like that your home often lacks that driving factor that we rely on mm -hmm. to get motivated to do things like do a really heavy, good workout or get a lot of work done. Um, so get, I totally agree. Uh, we always hear people buy the treadmills or the bikes or the, the bench press, and it ends up being a nice rack to dry their sweaters. <laughs> right. So yeah, that, that motivational factor. And it, it's almost like what I tell some of my patients. So say I have patients that, uh, you know, they have trouble falling asleep. They have bad sleep hygiene. Well, a lot of times we find out that when they go to bed, that's where they watch TV or they balance their checkbook or they have deep conversations with their partners. And I'm like, no, that should be a place for only a couple activities. And the most important is sleep. Yep. And if you're doing a hundred other things there, that's not a good place to say, okay, you know, what are we going to do with our 401k this year? That's not a good place for that. And your, your nervous system will get wired that that environment, that that place is where we're talking about accounting. Right. And if you don't like accounting, then guess what? You're going to have trouble sleeping and it's all unconscious. Can you talk a little bit more about that? You know, you were talking about environment and how, you know, it, for me, there's no way I personally could get motivated to squat 800, 900 pounds at home, even if I had a home gym. Um, because my home is a place where I connect with my kids. I wear a different hat, if you will, when I'm at home. I'm a totally different person. Just like I'm a, a kind of a, I have a different role as a professional when I'm at the office as a chiropractor or when I'm on the phone as, as a consultant or when I'm at a powerlifting meet judging it or coaching. Totally different um, roles and expectations. Um, so when I come home, you know, I, I, I really, it's like, okay, I don't want to throw chalk around. I don't want to yell or scream. This is a place for me to calm down. So I could see how your nervous system would change. You want to go into a little bit of that for the audience? Actually, I think you very well summed it up from a practical standpoint. I mean, our body relies on situational cues to tell us what to do. Uh, we rely on other people and things in our environment to tell us what we should be doing. So when you're at a gym and you've got people lifting weights, pushing themselves, things like that, you, your body ultimately goes into the, I'm at the gym. What do I do at the gym mode? Mm -hmm. So what we've got is people trying to be at home where their body is usually conditioned to do a set number of things that usually do not include being very productive at work. Some of us can try working from home. Some of us do work from home. So there might be some situations where that's a thing, but a lot of us don't, especially not with kids at home, partners at home and um, other distractions that we're not really used to. And then you add to that, the very unique factor here is, is this overlaid fear that is just kind of, everywhere from COVID, this kind of uncertainty and fear around like, am I going to get sick? Are my relatives going to get sick? Am I going to continue to not have a job? Are they going to con continue this um, shelter in place protocol 
Is my job going to be continued to be shut down? What is my long-term plan? And there's so much uncertainty with that. And like I said, ser- serotonin relies on certainty. Um, mm-hmm. So that feeling of well-being is really threatened by all of the just upheaval that has happened. So not only are we not in the environments where we're usually productive, but we've had a lot of our certainty taken away from us, which one could argue that certainty isn't really real anyway, but, <laughs> but I feel right now so many of us have just had that foundation shaken. And I feel like that's contributing to this lack of motivation, especially when you have such readily available sources of feel-good hormones in your television or on your smartphone. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It, certainty really is an illusion. I know when I teach in the, some of my classes that, you know, we all create our own, uh, you know, illusion of how we see the world. And uh, even though it may not be true, we need that certainty. We need the, those walls, those boundaries, that consistency. Um, that's what children rely on and, and the healthiest emotionally mental children have, you know, some consistency at home, whether it's hard or soft, they know what to expect. Um, and this has been the the interesting thing, how this has been handled at the government level is things are changing every day, every week. Um, can you talk about that fear? What does that do to, to the human body? You know, what are you seeing in your patients? Yeah. Well, the easiest kind of pathway to understand is that it spikes your cortisol. So when I spoke about cortisol earlier, it's, it's your alertness hormone. But in, and in small doses, it's wonderful. It gets us out of bed in the morning. It gives us the motivation to lift weights. It motivates us more than anything. But when you're feeling it chronically, and I feel like this, I mean, this is a pervasive thing for the past few decades anyway. People are feeling overly stressed in general. Um, but this is being amplified by this constant, constant fear of being sick, constant fear for your relatives and constant fear for your security is, you know, financial and, and, um, in all other respects. So that's, and then that, that when that cortisol is around for a long period of time, its job, its primary job is to mobilize resources. And when it's doing its job well, it sticks within what you've got. You have the amount of resources that you need, you get alert to the task that you need to do, and then you perform the task, cortisol goes down, and you get to return to some kind of balanced state. When cortisol is consistently spiked, it keeps drawing resources, it keeps mobilizing resources, it keeps depleting your body's stores, and that can result, depending on the person, in any number of weird things. I mean, cortisol makes your muscles more fragile, so it makes it easier for you to get injured. Um, I mean, you get many more people who just from increased stress are waking up with, with kinks in their neck, with really sore low backs, with old injuries flaring up. Um, it can also make it difficult just to, in the long term, can make it much more difficult to perform certain tasks, so it makes you more prone to injury even beyond having more fragile muscles just makes you more prone to a lot of things. So it, it, it really manifests differently in different people and then others, it can really flare up their anxiety or their depression. Okay. So, so, so do we know if cortisol's working in us? Like we kind of touched on it a little bit that some people are a little different if they have that awareness, but like I tell my patients, it's like, whether you know it or not, 
you're being affected by this. It's like, you know, we know it's 30 degrees outside, put a jacket on. Whether you're, you're warm right now, you're cold right now, I tell my kids all the time, grab your jacket, grab your boots, you can't go outside the sandals, it's 30 degrees. Or the opposite, I'll see them walk out and they're like, they're dressed for winter and it's 85 because they've been inside all day in the air conditioning and they have no idea. Um, how, how, do, how do you prepare for this, I guess I'm trying to say. How would you prepare, you know, there's a lot of people out there saying, I'm tough, and we get these patients all the time, doc. I'm tough, this isn't gonna bother me, whatever. And I try to tell those patients you are gonna be, whether you realize they're not affected by it. So, so, you know, what are some things some of the listeners can do right now we don't know how long the stay in place order is going to be. We're at, I think, three weeks now. It could be four. Or if we were in Virginia, where you're from, they're going to June, right? I June think. 10th. Yep. Right yeah. away. There's like three months. Yeah. So, what would you tell to your friends and family in Virginia how to, because, you know, it doesn't look like it's going to change. I guess they could always shorten it, but you've got to be aware of this for your health. I mean, we want to come out of this healthier or at least maintain where we are, then, all right, you know, we prevented COVID, we prevented the spread, whatever the government's trying to do. And now we have all these people with anxiety, depression, you know, all these other issues. What would you tell your friends and family in Virginia? I think they have the longest um, stay at place, stay at home place order right now. Yeah. So there's kind of two questions there. And I do want to touch on your first one before I move on. So the first one is, uh, do people know? And a lot of people don't know. Your body doesn't usually communicate with you in words. Like it's one of the interesting things about the way that our brain is structured is we have the section that is words and verbalization and what we call our conscious mind, where we can rationalize and reason through things, which is oftentimes removed from what we call our subconscious mind, which is really our body. It's our way, it's our body's way of communicating with us. And we get, we can get rushes of emotion that can mean tons of different things. I mean, your stomach giving a little gurgle could mean you're super excited. It could mean you're anxious or it could mean you're about to vomit and you kind of need to um, (laughs) be able to interpret and make sense of what those things are. So that's when, usually when I say people are very body aware, it's the people who can have one of those signals pause for a second and go, okay. Did I eat some weird fish? Am I about to vomit? Or am I just excited by something that just happened? Or am I nervous? Is, is something kind of threatening me? Um, so to become more, it's not always obvious what these signals are trying to tell us. So even though a lot of people can tough it out and do tough it out, there are still negative effects. There, there are still things that they might not have picked up on that their brain might not have registered as stress or trauma that their body really is storing as stress and trauma and responding to as stress. Um, and the second part of your question, which was um, what I tell people as far as how to get through this and yeah. how to overcome it. So the biggest one, particularly in this situation, is get as many of your routines back as you can. So even though you might not be able to put yourself in the situations like going to the gym, going to the office, um, being alone, even (laughs) for long periods of time, you can still do things like get up at the same time as though you were getting ready to go to work. 
you can still go through your morning routine where you brush your teeth, take a shower, make breakfast, make sure everybody's set for the day. Wear real clothes, not your pajamas. Wear, wear real clothes, not just yoga pants or sweatpants. <laughs> um, put yourself in the environment, put yourself in the, in the state closest to what you usually have when you're productive. Okay. And that will help you just start your day, take advantage of that little cortisol spike that you get, and also help yourself build some of those routines that get, get yourself into that nice serotonin high, that, that comfortable spot where you're doing things that are familiar to you. Um, and also strike a balance. I mean, right now you get a lot of people who are sleeping way more than they ever have in the past and realizing they feel great. Um, so try and strike the balance. Maybe use this opportunity to find when it's good to go to bed and when it's good to wake up. But either way, find a routine with it. Still get up at the same time every day and go about your things. If you usually work out in the middle of the day, then do something physically active mm. when you would usually have a lunch break. I mean, right now that could be going for a walk. It's spring and it's actually some pretty nice weather outside. Um, or it could mean dropping and doing 20 push-ups. There are plenty of ways to trigger those responses without getting the full thing. In. Like you don't need a full workout to tell your body, I'm gonna do some activity and get my, um, get my blood moving. And then same thing with the evening. So evening routines, if you usually have a routine of putting your kids to bed, relaxing for an hour or two with a book, and then going to bed around the same time, try and pick that one up. Even though it, there's not an external thing telling you that you have to be somewhere the next day, act as though you do, and you will start rebuilding those things. And the other component to it, so once you get serotonin kind of going, is to give yourself a little dopamine too. So right now we were talking what about What is motivation. dopamine? We haven't talked about that today. We haven't talked about dopamine. So dopamine is the ecstatic excitement that you get when you realize you can reach a goal. And it's important to know that you don't get it after you reach the goal. You get it when you realize that you can reach the goal. So that's why things like smartphones with uh, the little pings and, and emails and um, television shows yeah. can really give us a lot of dopamine because we get involved with somebody's story. And as soon as we realize it's going to work out for them, we get a huge dopamine rush um, because we're so happy because they accomplished something and we're just, and we didn't have to take any of the risk either, which means we didn't get the cortisol beforehand. We just got the dopamine but, uh, during. Um, but to start breaking the association between the television as your only source of dopamine, which, um, and, and dopamine really comes from doing new things, doing things that you haven't done before um, to accomplish new things. Again, video games, smartphones, constantly raising mistakes, constantly giving your brain everything it needs to produce a crap ton of dopamine in a super easy fashion. So the ways you can start doing that for your life is the way you can start kind of assigning dopamine to real world things instead of relying on your television for it are noticing noticing new things mm. so like if you're going to go out on a walk in the middle of the day to replace your exercise take a road you haven't taken before or walk the opposite way that you usually walk or make it a point to notice every red thing that you can spot along your way or every yellow thing that's a little bit harder um just or, or look a direction that you don't usually look or something like that. Cause you'd be surprised how many things you can drive by a thousand times and never notice. Mm -hmm. And that will start kind of reassigning dopamine to real world things. And then you can also try something new. I mean, if you have any instruments around your house, you can pick up an instrument, you can play a song that you haven't played before. 
you can um, play games with your kids, play games that you haven't played before, things like that. Um, and there are all kinds of ways to do it, but it's just doing new things. It's, it's building novelty in so that you start needing less and less of your smartphone or your device to, to give you dopamine. Okay. I've been making uh, recommendations for most of my patients that they, you know, take a class. There's a lot of free cla college classes. Online. Oh yeah. There's a lot of free online classes. Yeah. Or I think, and this is not an advertisement for Babbel, though they certainly could sponsor this po podcast if they wanted to, but I know they're giving a lifetime subscription to all their languages at a very discounted rate during this time. Oh. And yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, I think it's like 150 bucks lifetime, any language you want forever. So, I mean, for people to take advantage of things like that, where something's always new, you get that little dopamine rush, yeah. something's different, you know, yeah, I learned how to count to 20 in Russian. Wow. I learned how to count to 20 in French and you don't have to be, you don't have to become proficient at any of these languages or any of the the history courses or whatever college course you want to take, but just learning new pieces of information sometimes gives us that dopamine rush. Um, what would you What would you say to uh, the people in Virginia, because it looks like they're going to be the longest, about um, social things? Because we're social animals. How do we survive this stay at home? Um, how's our nervous system survive? when we need a lot more uh, socialization and that's been taken away. Right. Well, that's, that's a tricky one. Um, one of the easiest things to do is Zoom meetings, is, is video calls like you and I are doing right now, where you can see a person and there's, there is a lot to seeing somebody that you trust and, and having your body kind of mirror their expressions. Mm -hmm. um, that's where we get a lot of oxytocin, your connection hormone. Um, is by interacting with people in a way that allows us to mirror them and, and actually physically interact with them. Um, there are also things, so when you're talking about socialization, a lot of what we get from that is oxytocin. It's, it's a feel-good hormone associated with touch and trust. Um, and you can also, you can stimulate that in yourself, um, which sounds a little funny when you say it like that, but... Um, Self-massage is pretty good for that. Ayurvedic practices have a lot of self-massage built into them for exactly this reason. It's, it's to help people feel good in their body in that particular case. But in this case, what it can do is help soothe that irritation from not being around people, from not having that calm of other people's presence. Um, you can also, if you are quarantined with somebody, <laughs> um, I mean, a lot of people have partners at home, kids at home, things like that. I mean, you can make sure that you're spending extra time in physical contact with your kids. I mean, even if you're just sitting on the couch, having them lean against you is huge, not only for you, but for them. Um, you can make sure that you're having conversations with your partner. Um, make sure that, yeah, just that you're maintaining socialization with the people that you do have close to you. Um, and giving yourself that kind of oxytocin boost. That's great. Um, the self massage thing, I, I know a lot of athletes practice that they just get a foam roller and go lay on the ground and they can just roll out their knots and, you know, you right. can use a tennis ball if you don't have, if you don't have strong thumbs to work out those points, you know, and I, 
I do that for teaching my patients some home care, some self-care, but it's really important now to get that because a lot of us, you know, you're, a lot of people are not getting their massages. They're not doing their sports. Um, even if you're not uh, physically inclined, you're not getting up and going to church because you're sitting on a different chair. You right. know, there's different things happening. So we're missing a lot of that. So, you know, getting back and trying to at least stimulate that part of your brain um, is, is very important to surviving, surviving this. Um, one final thing I wanted to cover about surviving this, this, this uh, quarantine. Um, can, you, can you just touch a little bit in the last few minutes here on nutrition and eating? Um, I did say this, and hopefully my kids are not listening to it, but I just noticed that like, not only are we going through more dishes because we're eating at home more and making more, but they're eating a lot more. I notice I am too. And I'm like, why am I eating this food? I would never eat this food here. So I, I can almost, you know, guarantee people are thrown off. Either they're eating too much or some people are eating more healthy because they are eating at home. So you want to cover how to survive this and, and not end up with the, uh, the pandemic 15 when this is all over. <laughs> um, Sure. I, I think the biggest one with this one is, is really working with your habits. It's less about what you're eating as it is pausing and asking yourself if you're eating because you're bored or eating okay. because you're hungry. Okay. Um, and I think the easiest way to do that is to build a trigger for yourself. So anytime you're trying to build a habit, a good like trigger is the best way to really get it to sink in. So in this case, every time you open a cabinet, open a drawer, or open your fridge to grab some food, if you just pause for a second and go, am I hungry or am I bored? Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Um, that can be a really big one for avoiding some of the weight gain that comes from boredom eating. Um, but you touched on a very interesting thing, which is that people now are cooking a lot more at home, which provides you an awesome opportunity to get more acquainted with your food mm. uh, because it's just as easy to try a recipe as it is to pull something out of a box. People tend to think, tend to associate boxed or pre-made dinners with being faster, but they're really, I mean, really when you clock the time and you clock the ability, it's not faster. It's not more nutritious. It's not cheaper. It's just a mindset. So trying, and this could be a great thing for your dopamine. It can also be a great thing for your oxytocin if you're preparing food for your family. Um, especially if you're teaching your kids to cook at the same time that you're learning to cook. There's an awesome set of opportunities there um, to just engage with your food, engage with your family. There's, there's, especially now that we have more time available to us, even if something does take longer to figure out the first time, teaching yourself to cook is, is a wonderful skill. Oh, I can pay it back in spades later. Wonderful. Well, as we finish it up here, Doc, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. Um, with this last final minute or so, uh, let, let's uh, try to, can you try to summarize if, uh, you know, one of your patients or one of your friends was calling you and you had like a minute or two on how to review, how do you survive this quarantine? So the best, the best and most important piece of this is get as many of your routines back as you can. Um, put as many of your routines in place as you can. And that will, 
give you as much sense of satisfaction as you can possibly get, as much sense of normalcy and um, safety as you can get. And then allow yourself to be creative with what certain things are. So instead of, I always go to the gym at noon, I do something physically active at noon, or I do something physically active at this time of day. And allow yourself to explore those, especially new things, um, because you can get a lot of the reward things that might be missing by being stuck at home and, and in a situation where you feel unmotivated. So those are the biggest ones. The, my biggest takeaways is get as many of your routines back as you can and then do as much as you can to, to keep yourself feeling good. Uh, keep yourself trying new things and exploring new things. Well, thanks for joining us this morning. I appreciate you getting up early. I know you have some patience this morning, but you know, I appreciate it. And I've actually been trying to get my morning routine back. I just started waking up at five, five thirty again. I was <laughs> noticing good. I was feeling super slacky <laughs> getting up around seven. So I I'm glad you talked about routines because I get up at five thirty six even on the weekends. And I've always found that if I like sleep in a little bit, my entire day's thrown off and, and I never knew why. So your explanation has been fantastic. And I guess I'm just going to keep up that, you know, I'd rather take a nap if I'm tired on the weekend than not get up early if that is my right. routine. Well, and a good nap counts as sleep. I mean, okay. if you're sleeping for an hour in the middle of the day, it's still an hour of sleep. Okay, fantastic. Well, thanks again, Doc. And we'll, uh, we'll have you back. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right.